and I'm frozen. There we go. All right, Forge family, chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians is amazing. In verses 7 to 9, Paul wrote of a treasure that's set within us. It's a treasure of that light that shines in our hearts to give to us and then for us to give forth to others the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That blazing light shines through our earthen vessels, our whole selves, our body, soul, and spirit, when we have been put under pressure from within, from employment, from immediate relationships and families, from a fallen world, and from the enemy. And Holy Spirit then resists. It pushes back. He, he, he helps us in that situation. And the cracks of life that are formed allow the light to blaze forth through us so that all can see. The key is, light does not shine when we choose to rely on being grumpy, sour, angry, being aggressive. That light shines when we choose to rely on Holy Spirit. When we choose peace, we lay down our rights, and we follow Jesus. When we take those choices to follow Jesus, then the pressure on us uh, don't result in being hemmed in or immobilized. We may be squeezed, but we're not squashed. We may be bewildered, uh, deeply concerned, but we're not befuddled. We may be hunted down and pursued and persecuted, but we're not abandoned or forsaken. We may be knocked askew, knocked down and experience loss in the natural, but we are not knocked out. We, like Paul in Lystra, may have been struck over and over, but like him as well, we can rise and walk back into the city, the situation, or the need. Only Holy Spirit can release that light and power to do so. Call on his name with expectation. Paul went on to describe that process of the natural man fading away, while his inner man, the spiritual man, was rising to life and power. As he said, it was a constant process. He, he wrote of taking up that process of the dying of Christ, having death to the natural world work in him, and seeing new life break forth in the Corinthian ecclesias. There's an amazing account from the Congo Republic that Leif Anderson reported to the church 16 years ago. A daughter of missionaries recounted that as a little girl, she had been present for the 100th year anniversary of the missionaries coming to the Congo. At that gathering, speeches were made, music was played, but at the end of the day, a very old man stood up to address the crowd. He said that when the missionaries first came, the people thought them odd and their message suspicious. The tribal leaders seeking to test the missionaries, slowly poisoned them to death over a period of months, even years. Children of the missionaries died one by one. But the missionaries stayed and proclaimed the gospel even when they died. The old man commented, It was as we watched how they died that we decided we wanted to live as Christians. Paul says in verse 12, Death works in us, but life in you. That has been repeated over and over and over to this day. 
So let's pray. Father God, you see history in motion, but you didn't set that in motion until after you had planned to send a Redeemer and a Savior for mankind. Lord, you knew what that would cost you. You knew what that would cost the Son to become human, to lay down his life, to fill the role of the Lamb of God who takes over the sin, takes, uh, takes away the sin of the world. Now, Lord, you know the pressures on us and the pressures that are to come. We would be your chosen vessels, submitted to following Jesus in the laying down of rights and life itself. We want the joy and the glory of heaven to shine from our holes and cracks, even as you lift and sustain us. Come, mighty one, we would be settled in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's open up 2 Corinthians text to, to chapter 4, verses, and we'll start in verse 13 and 14. It says this, But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. And we also believe, therefore we speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. Now, Paul wrote that he had received that same spirit of faith that King David had when he was writing Psalms 116, verses 5 to 11. Let me read that to you. It says, Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our Lord is compassionate. The Lord preserves the simple. He has brought low. Excuse me, I was brought low, and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For thou hast rescued my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I shall walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed when I said, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all men are liars. So in, in um, Passion Translation, this kind of sums it up, this last couple of verses. It's what it says. Even when, I, when it seems I'm surrounded by many liars and my own fears... Though I'm hurting in my suffering and trauma, I still stay faithful to God and speak words of faith. See, likewise, Paul, in his afflictions, is writing out of the same spirit of robust faith that continues to endure, it, it endures in him. This wording, uh, the spirit of faith, quote-unquote, is only in this word order here in 2 Corinthians 4.13. Uh, and it could be a direct reference to Holy Spirit that plants and grows faith up within us as part of the fruit of the Spirit. But in reality, it's both. Paul is writing, and he's living out of the same spirit of faith that the, the psalmist exhibited in the power of Holy Spirit working within him. And out of that faith within, Paul speaks. David Garland wrote this, said, for Paul, the gospel is not some abstract theory that is accepted and hidden away in the heart. <clears throat> it requires proclamation, and proclaiming it in a hostile world is perilous. Paul did not shrink from speaking this gospel boldly to unbelievers and to any believers who got out of line, whatever the consequences, because that was his call in Christ. Paul follows his statement about the spirit of faith that has moved him to speak with 
quote, we also believe, therefore we speak. Now, granted, we're not all called as apostles. But out of our experience of faith, in the midst of afflictions, we speak out as well. Now, verse 14 lays out the underlying trust of the Apostle Paul that even as he believes and speaks, we also, excuse me, he, he, he believes and speaks, he knows that the one who raised Jesus from death and will raise him up and the Corinthian believers and all the believers in Christ through all the ages, they will also be raised up and presented before the Father. Now, physical death is just a doorway. Okay? It's a passage between life in the body and, and eternal life in the spirit. It is not to be dreaded or avoided at all cost. Resurrection awaits. The presence of God awaits. Further, we will be resurrected for a purpose. Verse 15, uh, Paul describes the results of new life breaking out in the ecclesias in the, current, in the Corinthian churches. For all things are for your sakes, that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. The rapidly multiplying response to the grace of God caused that grace to spread widely and for praise to overflow. And it, it all grew exponentially. Paul's spiritual analytics are spot on. The more people who claim Christ as Savior means that the more people there will be who with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10 pictures this, gives us an image of that. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. Paul, in his spiritual labors over the Corinthian churches, longs for them to see into a future resurrection and future praise poured out to God. And that set of beliefs begins in them at the moment of salvation, as it does in us. The ecclesias of Corinth and those of Ford's church would and will be communities of faith and practice. The key phrase that started chapter 4 was, We do not lose heart. And that pointed back to the New Covenant ministry bullet points, if you will, that had been given to Paul's apostolic team and to the churches in Corinth. Now, it's the same phrase that Paul uses to start a new section here in verse 16. 16, 17, 18. Somewhere in here it says, For this cause, we do not lose heart. <clears throat> but it's going to run for the next bunch of verses into chapter 5, verse 10. Verses 16 and 18 state, Therefore, we do not lose heart, for though our outer man is decaying, let our inner man, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For a momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen, 
For the things that are not seen are that are seen are temporal, and the things that are not seen are eternal. Now Paul's not discouraged. He's not made timid by his afflictions, but rather he's bold in his preaching a gospel that is plain spoken. It's not veiled by Greek philosophy or Jewish mysticism. Even when he is misunderstood or falsely interpreted, he does not lose his courage or his way forward. The first time Paul used the phrase, we do not lose heart, he was pointing back to what he had already taught the Corinthians. And this is going to be the third time that you've heard these. So uh, the point, I think, is this is to be anchored within us. This is to be something where we go, oh, got that. Oh, I remember. Oh, yes. God always leads us in his triumph in Christ. He displays the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ through, through us in all places. We release the fragrance of death unto death to those who are choosing to reject Christ. We are not hucksters, peddlers of the word of God. We minister from purity as from God in the sight of God. Our hearts are being inscribed by Holy Spirit, and they're hearts of flesh, not stone. We are made adequate in Christ in all things by the Lord God. The Holy Spirit gives us life and glory. The ministry of righteousness has worked its wonders in us, and it's not, and it's not going to fade away. It's not going to fade. We use great boldness of speech. We have any veils removed, and our hearts are soft and teachable. We've received liberty from the Holy Spirit. We behold as in a mirror our ongoing transformation into Christ-likeness. Now, the second time that he uses this phrase, we do not lose heart, this is what he's pointing to. He's pointing back to, remember the hidden things that had been renounced, the hidden things that would cause shame? They've been renounced. They've been dropped. We've walked away from them, never to return. He and his team were commending themselves to every man's conscience, to the believers and to the pagans in the, in the marketplace who would go, nah, you know, God, people don't rise from death. Paul, he said, I'm commending our hearts, commending our hearts to every man's conscience. He explained why some men and women cannot hear or see the truth of the gospel. Because the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who are in, um, who are un, un Persuadable is the word. You know, they have made their choice. They've set their sights. They've gritted their teeth. They've turned away, and they're on their way to darkness. Paul does not preach himself, but rather Christ Jesus. He stated that he and his team were bond servants of the Christian of the of the Corinthian believers. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God has shone in his heart and our hearts. We have a treasure in earthen vessels. <clears throat> And that the power of God may be seen. Holy Spirit pushes back when we are seemingly overwhelmed. We are privileged to carry about the process of the dying of Christ in us so that the life of Jesus may be seen in us. We have the same spirit of faith that King David and Paul had. So with that spirit of faith, we also speak. We have the promise of the resurrection, and we have the promise that we will be presented before the Father. So, Paul is strengthened and focused once again. No discouragement, no depression, only walking out the path of following Jesus day by day. 
Back to verse 16. Yes, for those of us who are over 50 years of age, we most likely are aware of diminishing capacities, the difficulty to maintain muscle mass, the challenges to stand straight and tall, the rising discomfort of worn joints, and the diminishing eyesight and ear, you know, ear capacity. The outer man is beginning to fade. Here, Paul begins a long list of contrasting statements. And they'll continue deep into chapter 5. But he begins with the outer man and the inner man. It is this inner man that's being renewed, refreshed, strengthened, and rebuilt every day. Note that the outer man is not particularly referring to our body and our soul. This stuff, I think, really is the, the remainder, the leftover flesh that we got from Adam, the first man. And as we make right choices, and as that is abraded away by life, and, and we, we come closer and closer by Holy Spirit to being like Jesus, then that inner man within us that was placed there by Holy Spirit, that comes more and more alive. As the old is abraded away, the new, is, the, the new man, the inner man, is filled anew with more of the presence of God. We are being rebuilt in the image of Christ. Paul concludes with the promise that the light afflictions that we now experience, and he calls them light even for himself, and you know the list, an amazing, awful list of light afflictions. Okay, But for us, and for some of us, they are not light afflictions, they're hard. But he classifies them as light afflictions in light of what's coming. He says, the promise that the light afflictions we now experience are indeed producing in us a tonnage weight of glory. It's a great way to translate that passage. There's just no comparison to any earthbound successes. While he, we look at and stand upon the reality of unseen resources, unseen strength, unseen infilling by Holy Spirit, what we can see is temporary. And it too is passing away. What we long for is transformation from the inside out. Now, transformation into the image of Christ is the exact opposite of the plot line in Oscar Wilde's story, The Picture of Dorian Gray. The character, Dorian Gray, had his portrait painted, and upon completion he laments, How sad! I shall grow old and horrible, but this picture never will be older. If it were I who was to be always young, and the picture was to grow old. I would give my soul for that. Now in the story, he got his wish, but it cost him his soul. The portrait became a mirror of his soul, which showed every sign of evil and aging. He looked, excuse me, he locked it away to prevent the world from seeing the truth about himself and deceived others with an outward appearance of one that was young, pure, and handsome. The contrast between the loathsome, evil, and wrinkled visage on the canvas fed by mad, ravenous passions versus his exquisite external appearance, that grew more stark every day. Now, we may be seen by others as aging, fading, suffering, but locked away by Holy Spirit in heaven, is the renewed inner man, the renewed inner woman. 
And that shines forth with the glory of God as we stand firm on what, that which is unseen. All right, Forge family, like Paul, whose worldview shaped his values and approach to ministry and to life, we too are placing our eyes on the renewal of the inner man, the inner woman. And as a result, we will be transformed into the likeness of Christ. That process will make no sense to those who watch through eyes of unbelief. Their focus is on the seen things that are passing away. Only those who long for heaven will cheer you on, ride on your coattails, tell your story to the next generations, and rise with you in the resurrection of the body of Christ. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Let's pray. God of the resurrection, God who is now praised and will be praised with one voice, we would draw near to you. We want to be those whose faith moves us to speak and live. We want to be those whose inner transformation is plainly seen by those who love and serve you and be known to those who are lost but hungering and thirsting for righteousness, peace, and joy. Stand us on the rock, which is Christ. Fit us out for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.